Hello, dreamers. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. Share it. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Everything helps. So thanks, at the very least, for just being here. Today's featured band is none other than The Head and the Heart. Their new concert documentary film, Rivers and Roads, live from Pike Place Market, is out now. So without further ado, please give it up for Kenny Hensley on keys and drummer Tyler Williams of The Head and the Heart. I've been a fan of you guys for, I can't, I can't remember how long it's been. Like I, I think you were just, it was early on, maybe even like 10 years ago. And I think you wow. were just like a, a band on a festival bill that I was either going to or a bands that I follow. Do you have any, do you have any idea what festival it might've been or kind of hard to say? It's, I got a pretty good memory with those things. So if, if you did know, I probably, uh, I'm in the Northeast, uh, like, I don't know if it, like, have you guys played Mountain Jam? We did Mountain Jam, but one time, but that was like five years ago, like five four or five ago. years ago. String Cheese well, Incident played after us. Uh, that was super fun too. We had a blast. We, we hardly ever play those like jam band fests and we just had like the best time there. It was so fun. I think we were yeah. actually supposed to do it again last year, but because of COVID and everything, it got canceled or got pushed. So I'm hoping that, that they keep us on the build next time they can do it because we had a blast there. That's cool. Um, you guys are probably more used to the indie festival scene. For sure, yeah. We've done a ton of the like indie fest and, and all like all the major ones as well. But um, yeah, the whole like jam band uh, festival circuit. I feel like we've dipped our toes in a couple times, and they are, we, we've always had the best time. But I wouldn't say we're like the best fit always. You know, Tyler, right. what's up? We were talking about a uh, mountain hey. jam. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, Mountain Jam was like a kind of a funny bill, but I had like the best time there ever. Yeah, that was that was a great show. Was, I think my memory from that is um, <clears throat> String Cheese Incident. Was right <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and John called up the String Cheese Theory from the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he and was the like, whole crowd. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he was like, <laughs> up next, we got the cheese, String Cheese Theory. And like and yeah. all these like massive fans were just like, boo, like you don't even know the name. Yeah. John does that though. I feel like he like, slips over his words frequently and like kicks himself after he was like the second he said it i know he like realized he got the name wrong and he was kicking himself all night yeah. for it <laughs> it was funny though that was a good good memory yeah, totally <laughs> well let's let's jump right in uh cool. we got tyler williams and kenny hensley of the head and the heart how you guys doing doing well pretty good man sunny day in los angeles can't complain sunny day in nashville nice. very nice. cold very cool. Nashville. It's like 80 so, degrees today. It's crazy. It's warm. Yeah. But. Nice. Well, we just got about two feet of snow here in New Brunswick, Canada. Nice. 
so that's what we're dealing with. We got a snow day. I got my young fella here today. Nice. You go. How much snow does it take here? I guess we'll start the interview off with asking you some questions. Okay, How go. much yeah. snow does it take in New Brunswick, Canada to close schools? Uh, lately, it's been a little more. I think they're more lenient with everything that's going on. They're not yeah. shy of taking a day off. But yeah. in, the, in the past, as long as the plows have gotten out before the buses you're, and the roads aren't slippery, nice. As long as you it's not ice, you're fine. That's a, that sounds about right. Yeah. But it's good, good answer. pretty icy. Good, good Canadian answer. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so what have you guys been up to lately? We're, we're really like kind of in the thick of writing new music right now. Um, obviously, we can't uh, tour or you know, do what we're used to doing, getting together in a studio. So we're kind of remote writing, um, you know, how we're doing this Zoom right now. It's kind of how we're working on some songs. So um, we've been writing for maybe like, how many months do you think, Kenny? Like all year yeah. last year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of started, we were supposed to tour a bunch of 2020. Um, so before that was supposed to happen, we did some writing early in the year, January, February last year with the idea of getting like, it'll be a head start because we're going to be busy touring. Then that didn't happen. So we kind of just kept that up, but remotely we've done a bunch of recording and writing from home, but kind of, yeah, throughout all of last year, most of last year um, yeah. and continuing on. Just starting to see the, the full picture now, you know, it's yeah. cool. Everything's starting to come together right. a little bit. It's, it's been, been a crazy experience, but super good. Yeah. Well, like I told you guys, we got a ton of questions to kind of sprinkle in amongst this interview, but one of the ones that was asked probably the most was when, when will we be blessed with the next album? So I guess that's kind of what you guys are talking about getting some music ready. So is there plans yeah. to release something or what's, what's on the docket? Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of figuring out what that plan is going to look like right now. And um, it's a little strange still not being able to tour, you know, this year it looks like um, it's going to be a little more difficult, you know, as, you know, who knows, you know, it's kind of all up in the air still a little bit. So I think that's going to kind of affect how we put music out, but in a way it might actually get music out sooner and we may be able to release, you know, more songs earlier, if that makes sense. So yeah, I'd say soon to quite soon. Yeah. My, my <laughs> it's definitely something we're working on full time and, you know, it's, we're not slacking in the sense of uh, like holding off putting out new music. We're kind of like when, when it's ready to go, we're going to start doing that and planning that, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. 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 I've talked to a few bands who have said like everybody's kind of been writing and taking this opportunity to just take a step back and focus on writing new music, but also it's kind of been 50 50 with like releasing something or waiting until they know that they can tour the album you know what I mean? Like instead of yeah, yeah. a lot of them are just releasing stuff right now to kind of stay in the, stay in the cycle. But like I said, a lot of bands are hesitant to release it without being able to just jump right on tour and show, show yeah. everybody how it's supposed to be. So that's kind of what I was wondering. Yeah. I think the, like, like trying to stay relevant and um, in your fans minds is really important and it's good to do. I think in our, in, in our situation, we just, we're planning on touring a ton. We didn't have music to release. And so we've just been working on, on what we can, um, trying to stay as active as we can with socials and, and different things, things like this, you know? Um, 
And the documentary yeah. too, you know, I feel like the documentary yeah. that we just put out is like a nice, it's kind of like, you know, perfect for this year. It's like the, you know, the 10th anniversary of our first record. It's a nice bridge to the next chapter while also not like being able to tour and being able to get new stuff out there yet. So um, we're kind of really just excited how everything's fallen into place with, with yeah. that whole thing. So that was a cool project to be, to be doing and yeah, a good time to put it out for sure. Yeah, so the concert documentary film Rivers and Roads live from Pike Place Market. Is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah so I, I just watched it last night. I, like I said, a lot of people have been berating us with questions for this interview. And that was the one thing that came up. And I, I was pretty excited to watch it last night. And I thought it was amazing. It was awesome. Nice. Thank, thank you. Yeah, we uh, had a great um, time doing that. So I'm glad you guys are all enjoying it as well. When did you put it together? We, we we did the show in what was it September of 2019? Yeah, it was like either August. It was yeah. late summer, late late August 2019. We did, we played the show and they filmed everything. And then we flew. We all met up in Seattle in January 2020, kind of before COVID had happened or was a thing, and did all the interviews and kind of you know went to our old uh, spots and whatnot and um, tied that all up together. And then it's kind of just been a slowly process of piecing it all together and seeing edits and whatnot throughout the year. Yeah. And charity was kind of, she was kind of the mastermind behind it. You know, I think we were all just like hanging out, like with our manager, having a drink and she, she, you know, she grew up in Seattle. So obviously the Pike place market has been a part of her life forever. And she just threw that idea out there and our manager just got to work and like that yeah, I feel like, like three week turnaround or something. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like we were maybe like, there was some conversation about like, Oh, like 10 year anniversary, we should try to do something, but there was no like concrete ideas or like ideas that made sense being thrown around. And she came up with the idea of like, what if we played on the roof? And at, at first, yeah, it seemed like something like, yeah, cool. Like, let's do that. Um, <laughs> and it did take, yeah, some planning for sure. There was a lot of hoops. I think, and our management did a great job at like dealing with all of that because we didn't have to do any of that work. But I'm sure there were a million phone calls and emails and logistics and Amazon too, just trying to figure out how to make it work and make it legal and whatnot. Yeah. But um, we got it done. And yeah, looking back, it's wild that it was just like, this idea that didn't seem to make any sense at first, but now it's done and <laughs> out there. Yeah. Perfect timing too. Like to have something like that to release during right now is kind of lucky really. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 So no summer tour. Um, any plans to try to make something happen? Like I know last summer people were doing drive-in shows and things like that. And then zoom shows, of course, but do you guys have any plans to try to, audible on that front we're kind of you know like we're really focused on writing music right now but also charity she just announced today her baby uh she had her baby back in december um and so giving them her and maddie time to focus on their new little one is obviously a, a big uh you know big part of our year um but i think you know we're, we're really looking towards like fall to see you know maybe there are a couple of like shows we can just throw on the books real quick um, but we also don't want to do something like haphazard and also unsafe. Um, so, you know, it really is kind of how this year plays out with the vaccines for everyone and, and what people want to do when they go back to see shows. Some of the drive-in stuff to me, just, it kind of feels like it's just not the greatest experience, you know, and we really don't want to give our fans something that doesn't feel like our live show, you know? So, yeah. um, it, it also too, like, like those things do 
require a lot of planning and time. And I think we have been so focused on this side of the job, which is the creative side and writing and recording that it's like, like friends ask me that and it's like, yeah, it's a nice idea and maybe we'll do something down the road, but we've just been focused on this other thing. And so we haven't really yeah. put much thought into doing that. And that's yeah. true. It is like two sides of the coin, you know, it's, it's hard to get out of that performance mindset and then into the creative mindset to, to make and create and, and birth these new songs. But it's equally as hard to get out of the creative mindset and into the performance mindset. So yeah. um, we also haven't we also haven't played a show in a long time. Like it would definitely require require some rehearsal time <laughs> and like us practicing and like playing together. And we haven't. <laughs> We're gonna we be terrible. <laughs> We're gonna be oh, so yeah. bad. <laughs> it would just require that. And usually we would just fly to Nashville and meet up and spend a week rehearsing yeah. before a tour. And that's easy, but it's harder to do that now um, yeah, for sure. obvious reasons. So yeah. Did a lot of work for a one-off or two-off show instead so like, of getting ready for a full Yeah, time. a lot of work and a lot of money like down the drain, you know, but, you know, maybe <laughs> down the road we'll do something. Yeah. Uh, Beth Anderson Geese was wondering, what do you guys miss most about performing live? Oh, everything. Gosh. I mean, That's yeah. A, I mean, really one thing. Right, go <laughs> good, good. Okay, I'll go real quick. Um, yeah, to be honest, I feel like, it's really easy to take it for granted when you do it all the time. And, and we tour a lot pretty heavily compared to a lot of bands. We, I just feel like it's one of our strong suits is we, we say yes to a lot of offers. We like touring um, and it's great, but doing it so much, you definitely, definitely can get like burnt out on it and, and start to take everything for granted, you know, where there's like shows or yeah, it's, it, you have to take a step back to like, see how great you really have it. And I feel like this year in a lot of ways as horrible as it's been has also forced us to do that and like at least from a personal standpoint i can't wait for all of it like i've never been so excited and uh to to play shows in my life you know i can't wait to do it and i think it'll be a really emotional experience when we finally can again for all of us yeah i think um for me it's it's kind of like a holistic thing like touring and playing shows it, it's you know, the, you feel the love from the fans for these songs uh, that we put out, but also like just the way that you feel after getting off stage, A, you're worn out, you're super tired, but that's like a great feeling. It's like, you've just had like the best workout of your life. You're a pump full of adrenaline and you're just having a good time with your buds. So like, that's kind of what I miss is just that feeling of walking off stage and uh, after a good show, you know, the terrible shows, like, I don't need to feel like that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the good ones you know when they're when they're really oh, yeah. good it's, it's like uh it's it's um you can't really like recreate that at home you know <laughs> that's a big part of it too is just the community we have like our crew and the band and being around people so much like there are definitely times when like especially for me i'm i can be super introverted at times and it's it's hard to be kind of forced to live in really close quarters with people for long chunks of time like i need space and so sometimes it's that feels really overwhelming but now being home so much like I just can't wait to be around like the band and we haven't seen each other in a year almost. So it's wild. Like we haven't seen each other in person. We haven't hung out. We've had countless zoom calls and, you know, texting every single day, but I just can't wait to be around like my people again. Charity had a baby and we never even saw her pregnant. <laughs> That's so yeah. weird. Yeah. That's she so went through weird. the whole thing and it was all just yeah. over like zoom and texting. It's crazy. <laughs> that is weird. When you put it into perspective like that, That's that is crazy how, how in a blink of an eye this year has passed and like so much has happened yeah it's really wild i mean last time we were together was in nashville last february so it's almost been exactly yeah. a year we were there 
writing and working on new music with the idea that we were going to be touring soon, you know, and then everything, uh, yeah, everything happened. Honeybee, could you imagine where our lives would lead? That silly ring, it wasn't meant to be. Luckily, you saw in me something I couldn't see. Honeybee, I can't imagine how my life would be. If all your gravity did not hit me Oh, don't you see, darling, my honeybee But here we are After all the misses and confessions To the stars That we never really owned as ours And if I So we saw a lot of Josiah in the documentary. It was really refreshing to see you guys just kind of talk about that story and everything surrounding it and then playing music together. And especially at the end, like on the street there or whatever, the little three piece song yeah, you yeah. guys did at the, at the end there. It was really cool. Um, and we got like, again, so many questions on Reddit and Facebook, Philip Matera, Brett Logan, they're all curious, like how how's Josiah doing, and like, is there any plans for him to come back and join the band again? Yeah, we uh, we did this kind of Q and A around the documentary release a couple of weeks ago, and um, Josiah revealed that he's been sober for a year now, which is great news. Um, you know, I think 
that's obviously step one for, for everyone who's gone through addiction is like to, to actually, you know, maintain some sobriety. So uh, cheers to him and congratulations. Yeah. I mean, there's no closed door, you know what I mean? Like we, uh, we wanted him to be healthy and we really just didn't want him to die. Cause that was truly a possibility at one time. Um, and we've always left our door open to him to write songs with us, to tour with us, whatever he wants to do. So I think that's, that's just how we leave the situation. Um, and everyone has their relationship with Josiah on a personal level. Um, but the band as a whole, we just want to see him do well and be healthy and be happy. And if that includes us, that's great. If it doesn't, that's great too. You know, I think it's up to him. Yeah. I think there's been a big misconception at times that, you know, of the idea that we like kicked him out and wouldn't, and won't allow him back. And that's never been the case. It was very much like a mutual thing when it <laughs> happened, like from our end and his end, I think he knew like, yeah, I need help. And this is the right move. And it's always, yeah, the door's always been open. It's always been, you know, we're friends and we're close and we communicate and talk. Um, but there's a lot of like, you know, emotional, I don't I like the term baggage, but like things connected to the band and like touring and all of and that, and that life. And so I think, I don't want to speak for him, but I think, you know, it would be really tough to just be like, okay, I'm ready to do that. And like, not maybe fall back into really bad old habits. And I yeah. totally get that. But, um, but yeah, it's never been like a, like Josiah hurt us. So he's not allowed in like our circle anymore. It's just like, we want him to be healthy. He wants to be healthy and sober. And yeah. like, we don't know. There maybe is a time down the line where he is a part of it and he's in the group and we're writing and working together, but there might not be also. Yeah. So the door is open yeah. and just to better health and congrats on the year sober. Yeah, totally. Exactly. That's the most important part, you know? Absolutely. Like I think when, when we started getting when we started seeing what was happening with his addiction, like that was the scary thing to us. It wasn't ever a thought of like, Oh shit, what's going to happen to the band? Or like, well, we got to make this record. Like, how are we going to do it? It was really like, we got to get Josiah healthy. He needs to get healthy. And that was our focus. So um, anything beyond that is, you know, just icing on the cake, but you know, him to be healthy is, is absolutely our goal. 100%. Yeah. Now, in the past, like, would that have been the biggest obstacle you guys have dealt with as a band? Probably, yeah. yeah I mean, I would, for sure, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, even beyond like the the issues of how to continue on as a band, and you know, who's going to help um, support the rest of us in that role? You know, uh, it also really, you know, divides our fan base in a weird way because it's not like this was something that was intentional on anyone's part in the band. It just, it's one of those life situations that happens, but it, it feels like some people take like a half feel like they have to take a side or something when that's not at all, like how we view the situation. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's difficult on a lot of levels, but it's really forced us to be stronger together. And um, charity has been a big part of kind of, making sure that we're staying connected or healing wounds or, you know, taking care of some of the baggage that comes up from somebody leaving you like that, you know, like, um, 
I think it, it creates a lot of like PTSD almost, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh shit, we went through so much um, just relationship issues that were uh, forced onto us from that situation. Um, yeah. So totally. I think Charity, also, yeah. Go ahead, Kenny. Sorry. I think also Maddie has been Maddie Charity's husband also who like replaced Josiah and it was Josiah's idea. We, we were great friends with him before, but it was kind of his, like he wanted, if anybody, if he had a choice in who was going to replace him, he wanted Maddie to be the guy. And we got so lucky that he was there and we were close and Charity and him were in a relationship because he not only is like the greatest guy, but just fits so well. And we could have very easily, if we didn't have him, just had had a hired gun, like some random musician who was like a touring musician and there wouldn't be that relationship. There wouldn't be the connection that we have. And so <laughs> if anything, like we really, really lucked out with him and the fact that Josiah like was the one that, wanted him to be you know in his place and gave him his blessing and whatnot made everything feel a lot better for sure maddie has the biggest heart i don't know a lot of guys who could like deal with the <laughs> some of the stuff that he's had to deal with just yeah not that he's trying to fill josiah's role but that's you know he's a member of our band josiah is not right now so you know he's dealt with a lot of kind of i don't know <laughs> abuse ego abuse oh, t- totally yeah. I mean, so. yeah so many people that are just like yeah, like blame him for like not being Josiah, which is like he's of course he's not Josiah. It's stupid. And yeah, the 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 crap he's dealt with and like the smile he's like kept and the positivity he's kept is pretty mind blowing. I don't think any of us could have done it the way he's dealt done it. And yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Yeah, you guys touched on that in the documentary too, like with them side by side kind of discussing the how it's not really a replacement, it's more of a placeholder and just it was really, it was touching. It was a really uh, honest and genuine moment between the two and like just shows that it's not a replacement and it's not, there's no hard feelings in it. It's just, yeah. it's a family. It's a cool thing. Oh, totally. And, and we've even talked, I mean, I, I don't want to like say anything on the record, but we've even talked about if Josiah were to like be back in the band in the future, like it would likely be seven of us. Like, I don't think Maddie would then leave. You know, right. I think like he, he's a part of it now at this point he's been in this band as long as I think Josiah was, you know, like the first five years, like it's been a long time at this point. And so he's, he's very much like ingrained in the band and a major part of it. He's yeah. not just like a bud who's filling in at this point. He's like, he's a member and he has yeah. been for a long time. I was thinking about that the other day, like, man, we've been a band for, I guess, almost well, 11 years, almost yeah. 12, it'll be 12 this year. But yeah, I mean, Josiah's basically not been with us since 2015. So yeah, it's like half and half at this point. Well, yeah, it's happened. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So. It's really crazy. wild, man. It makes me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> you are, dude. I'm just kidding. Not as, not as old as you. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> not as old as Maddie, though. Yeah, he's the oldest. Maddie's <laughs> the old one. <laughs> so we're talking about being like together for over 10 years now. And Evan Foster was wondering, how have you guys changed as musicians over the last 10 years? And then I guess Valerie Gomez was also saying, how has your source of inspiration and motivation changed as well? Well, I guess on musicianship, you know, I feel like on that first record, we didn't really, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to like the Malcolm Gladwell, like 10,000 hours idea. Like we've been on the road for 10 years of our life now. And if you don't become better at your instrument in that time, something is wrong. Like you're not, you're not doing something right. It's, you just have to get better at your instrument if you're playing it that much. So 
I feel like on that first record, you know, there was a little bit of like naivety. Um, you know, we all really were figuring out how to play our instruments together as a band. And, you know, there's definitely something charming about that and, and beauty in that sort of, you know, amateurness, I guess. But um, I don't know, it just, it feels like we've gained a lot more confidence in, in our instruments, but also in the relationship that our instruments have with each other's instruments. So I would say that, yep. that uh, that's what I would say for musicianship, at least. It really is its own, its own thing. Like I feel like playing with others in the band and with the band, it's at this point we've done, done it so much that it does feel like almost its own instrument. It's like, I know how to play with Tyler and Chris and the others in the band. It just, it just, it's easy at this point because we've done it so much. We're like, I know how to play along to certain things and, and vice versa for each of us. Um, I think the motivation question is really good because I've always been fascinated by that, especially in the arts, you know, like people that, put out their first couple records and they're like timeless records and then they find success and money and fame and they end up kind of losing that. And I think a big part of it is motivation because they've kind of lost that like drive to like make something of themselves and find that, find that respect. Um, and that's tough. Not that we, not that we have found like the ultimate forms of success or whatever, but um, I think there have been times where I kind of personally felt like, Oh, like all the things I wanted and like the, the checklist has all been checked. So like, it's hard to find, to dig deep enough to find that motivation. Um, I think the last few years I've found it in age almost where it's like, I can see that we're now like one of the older bands and I want to prove to everybody that we can still do it and that we can put out our best music. And I've like mustered up motivation in that sense where I want to put out like the best record that we've ever done and kind of break through to a different level, even at our age. So for me, at least that's been one form of motivation. Yeah, I, I would say prove all, prove all the naysayers wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I would just add on to that. Like there is like an underdog mentality to our band that we've always had. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever like came out of the gate playing arenas or anything like that. You know, it's always been this like slow and steady, like workmanship that we've had um, at, at our songs and at touring and at being a band. And um, I find a lot of inspiration in, in just that, like feeling like the underdog, feeling like we always have something to prove. Um, and I feel like that's why we keep making the records that people are listening to and that want they want to hear. You know, there's like a, we've never felt like we've, at least I've never felt like we found the success that um, we could find. You know, it's always like, like that next, you know, you, you keep like climbing up that ladder, but you're like, there's always one more wrong, you know? And like, yeah. I think every band, even if you get to the top, you're going to be like, what's the next thing? Where do I go? I got to go to the moon now or something, you know, <laughs> like, how do you. Yeah. I don't think we've ever plateaued. Like, like that feeling has never settled in my mind. Like there, yeah, for sure. Same thing is echoing those thoughts. I don't think we've ever yeah. found that. And not that it's even a success thing or like a money thing at all. It's just about like that pride as a band that we like got to that level. And I think we still have that in us and I think it's coming still. Like I yeah. firmly believe that. Is there something specific? Like um, Madeline Pisano was saying, what's the next big goal and dream you guys hope to achieve as a band? So like, is there maybe like a venue or just a, like anything, you know, anything, a, anything a, in mind? A big one for me, which I would love. And, and, and again, like we're so fortunate to have what we have and, and the longevity we've had. Like at this point, if these things, these other dreams don't happen, I'm not going to be kicking myself for it. 
but I would love to eventually be at a place where we can travel and perform internationally better. You know, like we've done a bunch of Europe trips and some Australia trips, but they always kind of, we've like done just good enough to like go out there and kind of make it work. But I would love to, to be at a place like say in five years where we're like touring to South America and Asia and actually playing big shows. Um, that's always been a goal. And if it doesn't happen, I'll just travel to those places on my own time. But <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's not like a money thing. It really is like the travel and the excitement and <clears throat> there's just an energy when you feel, you know, I think we felt it around kind of like every record that we've put out. There's like an energy when you kind of hit a new thing, you know, and I think that's what keeps me going. It's just like feeling that feeling of, um, yeah, just that that hurricane of energy that picks up around. Like opening a new door, kind of. Yeah. That's like the best feeling to me. So, yeah, got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest change that you guys have like seen in your life, like with all the success and things like once, like we were talking about the like sophomore albums and stuff and in the beginning everyone's hungry like in the documentary you guys are living together scraping together change for 40s and yeah. just like there's more inspiration for the music and then the success comes the money comes and then the sophomore curse and then like what are some things that you guys do to kind of stay grounded and what kind of changes have you guys noticed since the success has hit so i'm gonna kind of take the question that i think i heard in there um, I, I feel like we're a very kind of like unsettled band where our relationships are always changing with each other. And there's almost a lot of like tension and drama in that. Um, and a lot of our songs tend to be very autobiographical, you know, John, you know, writes them. He's always written the majority of the songs and his songs always seem to kind of paint this picture about the band, which is beautiful because it also kind of ex extrapolates to like society at large and, and divisions within our country or within each other, you know, like relationships that people have with their spouses. So, I mean, I think there's never a short supply of inspiration in that regard. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, personally, I, I think that the biggest change that I've had is just like feeling okay, you know, like, it's okay to be comfortable and, and be an artist. You know, I think a lot of people have this idea that you have to um, be some sort of uh, despicable person or something to be an artist or like feel miserable or whatever it is. And I think what we've found is that um, just being, being happy for yourself is kind of motivation enough, you know? Totally. I, agree with all that i think also a big one for me is just keeping the people that have been around from the beginning close you know it's really easy it's it's, it's easy to like buy into the ass kissing you know <laughs> like throughout the years like like just people that are just like you know in it for the wrong reasons like being nice to you because like you're in the band and they want to hang out type of thing and i think over time i've at least gotten really good at like knowing immediately if that's the case um so yeah keeping like the like family and friends that were in it from the beginning before the band close that were always supportive we're always there that's really important to me um yeah and also just like not not leading off with the band it's like if you're starting new relationships whether it's a friend or whoever like don't use that as your 
as your tool to as like your identity. <laughs> yeah, as your identity. It's like I always try my very, very best to like get to know somebody in any type of relationship from like a personal level, not like this is what I do immediately. <laughs> this is who I am. This is like what will come with that, you know, because that I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I understand. Just to add on, just to add on to what you're saying there, I, I do feel like when you when you start to find success as a band, you do kind of take on the band as your identity. And I feel like all of us have had to shed that idea to to be like to continue working, because if that becomes your whole reason to exist, you're not going to create good music. You're not going to feel good. You know, it creates yeah. this like malaise and depression because you're just you're identifying with this kind of ego trip thing you know and i think we've all had to shed that skin and and just be happy and find something deeper within ourselves you know yep yeah um marcy Gieland and kathy Perea are both wondering about kids do you guys have kids and has that changed anything in the way you feel has about it, music has it changed career? anything tyler at all? <laughs> i'm waking up a hell of a lot earlier than i ever have <laughs> um yeah so chris uh chris was the first to have um a kid and chris has two boys uh i have i i had a daughter in 2019 and charity just had her first kid a, a girl and yeah, charity and maddie so at this point it's john and i are the only two kidless people <laughs> Time to get to work, guys. Also, the only two not married, huh? That's true. I guess Chris technically, I don't know, technically not, but <laughs> he pretty much is. Revealing all the secrets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, I think I think I was saying this to, to the band maybe like a week or two ago, but it really feels like when you have a kid, it kind of gives you this validation or this love that you have never known. And it kind of makes you just okay with whatever happens in the world. Cause you know that there's this unconditional love from this thing that you created out there, you know, and in a way it's a lot kind of like our albums in a, in a strange way. Like you're putting something out into the world that you care so much about. Um, and, you know, luckily I haven't had to go through, you know, my kid being bullied or something like that, but I can imagine that it's going to feel similar to like a bad review, <laughs> like on a record. <laughs> Like, you know, you just want to go out there and be like, you're wrong. What is wrong with you? Why would you treat this beautiful thing this way? Um, yeah, no but, one yeah, wants I mean, a kid to get a bad review. No. <laughs> yeah, that bad report card, that first bad report card, I'm going straight to the teacher. And, uh, but yeah. uh, it, it's cool. It, it really, it kind of makes you feel whole, you know, as an artist. You know, there's, I feel like people get into art, making art to fill some sort of void. Some, sometimes. And um, it definitely, yeah, it feels like I've become a little more of a whole person. And I, from, from the side of, of not having a kid, have seen it, you know, and it's great to see. It's like, even though this last year has been spent apart, um, yeah, from an outside perspective, it's like he's seeing the changes in each of these people who are now like living this life with children. It's, it's amazing. And I think, I think, it's it's forcing us to bond in a closer way you know i feel like we're like needing to grow up and put other things ahead of the band or in, or in front of the band and in, in a way that's making us closer and i think in turn will make us put out better music yeah yeah i mean you can't just focus on the band that can't be your life you know 
yeah, so it's it's nice. Gives you uh, something really great to spend your time on in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Justin Harris wants to know who is someone you've had the privilege of meeting that blew your mind with their greatness, musician or otherwise. I'm going Barack Obama. We we played two campaign events for him in 2012, and we we met him twice. I got to have like a five minute conversation with him. It was pretty insane. And he's just, he's the most level-headed human that I could imagine who's been through what he's been through, you know, Um, being the president for eight years, uh, somebody that I've looked up to since he came on the world stage. I don't know, it's pretty great. And I don't think I've met a lot of musicians with that greatness, like that he exudes it's a different level of, uh, of goodness, you know? So, yeah. That's a really good one. That's, that's probably the top for me as well. But I, another one popped into my mind. Uh, we've done a bunch of the late night shows. And one time we did Conan and uh, Tom Hanks was the host. Oh yeah, or the, nice. guest, the guest. And he was like everything you wanted him to be just like, it's like, I have a funny story too. I, they have these, they used to have these massage chairs in the backstage of Conan, these like really nice ones. And I was so excited to maybe meet Tom Hanks all day. I was kind of just like looking around, waiting for him to show up. And I was in this massage chair with my eyes closed, just like relaxing. And then I heard in my mind, I just heard Woody. Like I heard like <laughs> Woody's voice, like talking to somebody and thought like, it was like my child brain just like went to Woody and looked over and it's Tom Hanks, like making a coffee, talking to some lady. And he, he came into our dressing room and it was super nice. My sister had just had a kid and he was like holding the baby and like playing with it for a minute, just like, everything you would hope Tom Hanks would be. So that's one that always pops into my mind is like a really good interaction with somebody who is very, very famous and checked out in every way. And I'm going to, I'm going to add Jimmy Fallon to the list too. He's incredible. Yeah, he's good um, whenever we've played his show, he's just, he's always taken time to spend a moment with us and say hi to our families. And um, he's, he's apparently a big fan of the band. So it, he, he definitely ranks up there. He's high on the list. That's awesome. Okay, we got probably a little under 10 minutes. I'll try to rapid fire some of these questions so that everyone can get their get their question in. Um wants to know which musician, alive or dead, would you most want to collab with? Ooh, David Bowie. Uh the just the band queen, all of them though. He's off the top of my head, yeah. No explanation needed, really. So just you with Queen. Me with all four of them, yeah. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, Actually, it'd be pretty embarrassing because like every uh, member that Marissa... is a better, better piano player than I am. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Marissa Lynn wants to know, what's the story behind each of your favorite um, like original songs and what, it, what does it mean to you? Hmm. Uh... It's an interesting question because I feel like there are so many songs that have such varied stories, but I'm going to go with another story, which is a John Russell original. Um, I think he, it was right after the Newtown Sandy Hook shooting and he saw that on TV and on the news. And it just kind of like, he just couldn't comprehend that level of uh, like what makes a person do that, you know? And 
he brought it into the studio while we were making Let's Be Still. I think we were like halfway through recording the record and we'd had a little bit of scotch. I will preface it with that, but like really the song wrote itself in like four hours. We, we all had our parts. They were pretty much done. And we had recorded a take that night of this song that we had just heard. And sometimes like, sometimes songs just pour out like that, you know, and they feel fully formed from the minute you hear it. You just know exactly where you're going to take it. And I would think that's probably my favorite um, creation story of a song of one of our songs. Yeah. I don't have a better answer. So that's a good <laughs> one. To, that's a good one for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who are your biggest personal musical influences? Jody Mitchell. Jody, Jody Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, it's like Joni Mitchell's on this thing. I'm just going with Joni Mitchell because she's 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 up there, man. She obviously (laughs) wants us to say her name. Um, Joni Mitchell. I know. I I think I know what Kenny's Kenny's gonna say. Paul McCartney. Yeah, I mean, like the Beatles, but Paul McCartney, like more. So I think I'm just like a a big melody guy, and I think he's like the greatest melody writer of the last hundred years. And so I'm always been like the most inspired by him and that band um and i could for sure say if it wasn't for him i probably wouldn't be a musician so but there's lots of them there's um, there's many of them i'm gonna have to go with um brian devendorf from the national who i think was one of your recent guests yes he was um he's probably my favorite drummer of all time most influential drummer on what i like to do and what i like to listen to from a drummer he just plays to the song and writes such unique effortless stuff so i'm gonna go with him yeah he creates a scene i love his style too yeah it's incredible um patrick fuller says which bands musicians would we be surprised to learn were significant influences for your band hmm uh wow <laughs> that's a very specific question yeah, i know i feel like there's like only one answer and there he's like digging for it <laughs> well he he mentioned that he is it thought, him? Is he a musician? <laughs> yeah, probably. He he found that he made a comparison that he thinks you guys are like an alt folk version of Rush. That's Whoa. cool. I'm into that. I like that. I like that. Yeah, Neil Peart, man. Let's go. Nice. Rest in peace. Uh, that's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I mean, I feel like we definitely love to blend together parts of songs that may not, you know necessarily work together on like a in in a logical way but somehow we make them smash together but i feel like that's that was kind of like the paul mccartney like yeah wings era influence maybe but i feel like i feel like ram like ram there's a lot of that and like uncle albert that song in particular is always one of my favorites and it's like three songs smushed together and i don't i can't say like oh it's like i have an ear for it but i've always liked the idea of like pulling parts from like songs that maybe John or Josiah were working on that were totally different things and figuring out a way on my own to like make them work. And I think that can, not all the time, but can create a really interesting song. And so we've definitely, I've definitely taken that like Paul McCartney influence and just like smushed a few songs together that weren't supposed to be together and made it work. And sometimes it's really great. Yeah. I think sometimes that even works like that idea plays into like how we sequence a record. Um, like cats and dogs into Coeur d'Alene that transition just feels natural like it's an extension of the song before it and um, same on uh, Signs of Light 
you know, there's a couple songs on there that just flow right into the next song. And we do that live. Yeah, too. Oh my, oh my dear. I don't mind. We're yeah. Too. I don't mind. Oh my dear. Like those, those. And, that, and that's like an example. It's like that, like, Oh my dear was a song when I first met John in 2009, he was playing, like we'd go to the beach and he would like mess around with it. We could never figure out a way to turn it into a band song. And when we were writing signs of light, we all wrote, uh, I don't mind. And it was like, ding, like, that's that's where that song can go let's just like throw it at the beginning and make it a cool like little ballad intro to that yeah. song yeah you know and it's like i'm so happy that it's out in the world now because i always loved it but there was never a space for it so yes we are the rush of <laughs> alt yeah. folk pop country punk. yeah i guess weird influence <laughs> I'll, I'll speak for like john he was always like a huge uh, tim mcgraw guy so yeah that might be a surprise is like yeah john grew up like loving chris too both of them are big country guys yeah like nice. pop country like florida georgia lion country <laughs> yeah like shit you would never put on at your own house that's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool though we have a lot of pre-show like turn the like florida georgia lion on and kind of get pumped get a beer but, but it's always it's always one of them too putting it on it's a little bit of a like you know at, halfway through a tour you just kind of do your cheers and leave the room because you're like i gotta go listen to like the rolling stones or something yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos Angel wants to know if you have any way to overcome creative locks. <clears throat> uh, talk therapy. How about that? Yeah, I think that's really huge. Um, I think also just trying to create a little bit every single day, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what mood you're in, just like forcing yourself to do it because I've found that I avoided like trying to work on creative work if I wasn't in the right mood for a long, long time. And recently I've found that I've forced myself to, and some of the best work and the best things I've come up with have come out of like a weird mood, you know, it's like, it's you don't need like to that. be, you don't need to feel inspired to do it. Like you can find inspiration in what you're doing and that can make your day better. You know, it's kind of like working out too. Like if you're really tired and you're in, like, you feel kind of down and shitty, if you work out, like that's the best time to do it sometimes, you know? Yeah, if you if you can power through. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. hard to get going for sure, but if you do it, it's it's always worth it. Yeah, nice. Jim Walter, favorite concert venues that aren't in your home state? Red Rocks. Yeah, Red Rocks. Red Rocks or the Gorge are like the two best uh, for sure. We've for never sure. had a bad show at the Gorge. I will say that. Or Red Rocks, really? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think they've all been good. <laughs> yeah, I love Red Rocks. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Margaret Elena, will Kenny go on a date with me? Yeah. Uh, maybe. You're single. <laughs> yeah. Are you married? Do you have children? <laughs> that is that from Joni Mitchell? Because you yeah. should guess to that one. <laughs> uh, James Matt Gillespie wants to know who's the better skateboarder between you two. <laughs> uh, I feel I like thought... when we when we met each other, neither of us were at our primes. No, we were both at our primes before we knew each other. I think I, I saw this question and I put a little thought into it. I think we had strengths that the others didn't. Because I know I've seen some old footage of Tyler back in the day doing like front blunts on little flat rails. And that's like something I was never good at. But I was skating handrails and throwing myself down like 12 stairs for a while. And I've never seen <laughs> yeah. you do that. So I think I maybe had no. like some of the bigger stuff, but he was maybe a little more tech. Yeah, I was a little more technical, I would say. Yeah. yeah. But I think, but yeah, we we've definitely played some games of skate you know on the road in a while i, I while almost broke sure. my elbow one time yeah. <laughs> so chris was good too there, there's a video of, yeah. of chris 
somewhere on the internet and it's just titled Chris Zashi and Baggy Pants. And it's like a three minute skate part from when he was like 18 and he's wearing like these huge jeans. And I think he does a, Be- I think he does a Benny Hanna down like a seven stair, which is the funniest. Nice. Yeah, that yeah. is weird. That's a weird trick. Yeah. yeah super weird. <laughs> but yeah. Lots of skateboarders in the band. Charity was a waveboarder though. She, you know, she was kind of into waveboarding. Yeah. Was she? <laughs> Longboarding and waveboarding. Longboarding. <laughs> yeah into weird stuff and just i had one of those dumb like uh rips ripstick boards or whatever with like the two wheels yeah, yeah. like which you never used it's weirdo it's fitting <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> uh lee sklosberg what is the best sushi restaurant in seattle oh uh Shiro's. no but that's good that's, that's good, good spot. there's a place i went to in the pike place market that he just he opened up oh that's right there he has a second place in that's where i've been that place is amazing yeah you have to wait in line they don't do reservations and you you have to wait in line for like two hours before they open up just to get a seat yeah and it's it's probably like 300 dollars a person but it's the best sushi you're ever gonna eat it's incredible yeah it's like an experience like you go there and you're there for hours it's like omakase just amazing there used to be a place by the space needle called (laughs) It sounds awful, but I think it was called Sushi Planet. Um, and it was like conveyor belt sushi, but I would go there a bunch. And it was like this little like hidden gem that was so good and super cheap. And they shut down like five or six years ago. But that was a spot that I like went to frequently by myself for lunch. Yeah. Nice. Margaret Elena said, dear Kenny, where is Bug the Cat? <laughs> um, so Bug the Cat uh, is a cat that I got with an ex of mine. And when we broke up, she got the cat. So. So I get to see, I, yeah, I see updates of Bug on social media here and there, and uh, send all my all my love to Bug. And that uh, person has been watching was, you for a while, man. Yeah, apparently, yeah, it's been like several years since I was uh, <laughs> since I was with that girl. But is this anyways, the one, yeah. one who asked him out on a date? It is. <laughs> is it? What? Oh wow! Uh, uh, damn, dude. No, yeah, but Bug is alive and well and thriving, as far as I know. So Bug's doing great. I just haven't seen him in a long time. Nice. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know about the biking across Europe. So can you describe it in one sentence? Describe it? Like as far as like what it was or like what it was like? Dealer's choice, however however you want to put it. Uh, Something I always wanted to do, something like that. And so my best friend and I biked from the Atlantic coast to France to the Black Sea through Romania, through 10 countries. It was two months, almost 3,000 miles. Wow. Did like 50 to 60 miles a day, uh, got in really good shape, didn't train for it, was really, really brutal the first couple of weeks, but got used to it. Um, that was it. Yeah. A lot of amazing experiences throughout that. Trip. What hurt the most? <laughs> my, my ass. <laughs> yeah. That never got better. <laughs> but yeah. Still, but uh, it's still messed up to this day. There's like a, like chafing cream you can use that helps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's nice. gross, but that's awesome. We went there. We went there on your podcast. <laughs> we had yeah. to. We had to. And Wim Hof, what is what is Wim Hof like? A couple people asked how Wim Hof is. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy, man. Uh, I did two trips with him, one in Spain and one in Poland, um, for about like ten days each, and just like full immersion, crazy, just stuff he does. You know, just hiking around at night in shorts in like zero degree temps and. Yeah, really, really intense stuff. He's the most like charismatic person I've probably ever met in my life. But um, but really smart. He kind of comes off as like a crazy person, 
but you sit down and talk to him and you realize very quickly that that's like his personality, but he's like very, very much knows exactly what he's talking about and what he's doing. Um, super intelligent guy. And just always happy. Yeah, he really is. He eats one meal a day. It's like spaghetti and a beer he has at like 6 p.m. <laughs> every day. And he, he's like, has the most energy out of any person I've ever met in my life. It's insane. I can do that. Spaghetti and a beer every day. Yeah, apparently not every, like that's like his go-to and it's like one meal a day for 30 years or something. That's like been his thing. That's crazy. Well, yeah. gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. This was an awesome experience for me. And I just, I can't wait till things get, get rolling again. And hopefully I get to see you guys on the road. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for this. Yeah, I had a really good time. Yeah, we'll try to get up to uh, your neck of the woods here soon. We miss That'd it. That'd be awesome. Northeast. Yes. Yeah. Let's All right, man. It. Thank you so much. Cheers. Yeah. Take care, guys. See you, man. Hey guys, if you're still here listening and you haven't done so already, you might as well take a minute and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All these links can be found at liveinthedream506.com. Thank you for your support and keep dreaming.